Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. This series of episodes is called Wayfinder. Why? Because this world, the people in it and the pressures of it can jack you up and they can cause you to lose your way. Next thing you know, you're overweight, unmotivated, frustrated with the relationships around you. Your life shattered in pieces and you're watching episodes of Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer just to feel normal again. This show is about helping people find joy in the middle of challenges because life is too short to live miserable. So a couple other things I think that we should touch on. Um, Harvest Oaks was, yeah. I feel like I feel like that was a huge portion of your dream. That that was what you guys called your your school, right? Yep. Was Harvest Oaks, but that that was the vision, and that was the mission, and that had a lot to do with legacy, right? Was yeah. pouring into children and yeah. investing in children and raising children that you know had deep roots and were made strong. Can I tell that story? Sure. So when we decided to homeschool, I had a lot of encouraging people say, you can never do that. You're not disciplined enough. You're not. I mean, Amy went to kindergarten and first grade and her kindergarten teachers. Let me say, too, that homeschooling back then was not mainstream. No. But Mrs. Banks, Amy, I got a Christmas card from her this year again. And how old are you? 38. Yep. Amy's kindergarten teacher. That's a whole nother story. You could get her on here and she could probably still remember about Amy and tell you. But she went to kindergarten and first grade. We saw a little bit of change in her behavior. She was just a sassy mouth, you know, and she would let me know, that's not how my teacher says it. And I'd be like, I don't give a rip what your teacher says. And so anyway, when we decided, to, I, I wanted to homeschool her, but I just didn't feel like I was, I was capable. And then I would struggle with, well, she's my kid, like, why can't I teach her things, you know? And it was more, we really wanted to raise God-fearing, happy, what, um, respectable kids. Let's just break it down to those categories, you know? And so, um, anyway, we, we made the decision to homeschool. Where was I going to go, son? The, well, we were a kindergarten teacher. Oh, in low, and Harvest Oaks. Oh, Harvest Oaks. So, when we decided to um, homeschool, then we needed a name because you have to file an affidavit with the county and all that. And we had sat in on a, on a sermon, uh, um, and they talked about being a radish Christian or an oak tree. And they, they did that analogy. And so they said, you know, if you want to see immediate growth in something, plant radishes, because in three days, literally, you can see growth. Um, and they, they just, they grow. Um, but they're not going to withstand any sort of pressure whatsoever. They're not going to take excessive heat, cold. They're just whatever. They don't, their roots don't grow deep. I learned that because I did try to grow radishes this year. <laughs> but on the flip side, if you want to plant something that lasts, such as an oak tree, you know, and you were to plant the little acorn, you're not going to see for many years the growth that's happening underneath because that growth, those roots go super deep. And we experienced that in Alta Sierra because their little acorns drop and you think you can pick them up and you can't. I mean, they're, they go super, super deep, but they withstand things, you know, the high winds and the kind of what you guys talked about, the wise man builds his house on the rock, whatever. So we talked about that, Dad and I, and we thought, well, we don't want to raise radish, you know, um, children or Christians, whatever we want to raise. So we named our school Harvest. We wanted to be able to harvest oaks and to be able to, at the end, you know, our harvest um, or what we wanted to plant and, and harvest, the, the whole scenario there, would be oak trees. And so um, we chose our Psalms 1, 1 through 3. You know it? 
Want to say it? <laughs> Want me to sit with you? Sure. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night and he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. So that was our, what we stood on. And so, um, yeah, so we had Harvest Oaks Christian Academy, and um, now the kids say Harvest Oaks, and what do they say? H-O. They give no, they give me a hard time. And the kids they say, "Mom graduated from Ho Academy." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it's very funny. I actually think I'm going to make some cold sweatshirts. <laughs> well, I had always envisioned because back then uh, Ford. I'm not a Ford guy, but they did come out with something cool there. Their motor, their five point whatever, was uh, HO, high output, right? So I thought, man, the kids could have red, white, you know, Letterman jackets, HO, high output. <laughs> <laughs> Were you thinking ho? No, not until Ann came along and helped us to all that. No, I think it. I think it was before that when when I wouldn't put shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. So that's good. I I think that points are crystal clear. I want to I want to just touch a little bit before we wrap this up about a legacy conversation and then the next leg of your journey. You said the the last the leg, last. which there's always a last leg. It's just yeah. the one that we just are doing or did. So this is definitely not the last last leg, mm-hmm. but you just decided after all these years of construction and everything that we've heard and talked about over these last five episodes, you, you decided that there was a shift and, and you, dad and I were just talking this morning over coffee about, you know, in scripture, the idea of, of the promised land, this land that we're supposed to go to. And that promised land kind of is like the carrot that's out in front of the person and it's keeping them moving forward Mm. And, and it's critical that we, that we move forward, that we follow God wherever he's leading us. What, what about this last jump? Let's just talk just a little bit about what it took for you to um, listen to, to the Lord's leading in your life and then leave something that you spent decades constructing with no, no real hope that it was going to remain in the family either. Well, what did that require? Um, since I, I'm the one that came up with God said, and I stand on God told us to sell the house, right? I didn't, I'm not, you know, you don't, I don't know. I don't ever hear verbally in my ears, God speaking, right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't hear what he says, but in your walk, you try to figure out what is God saying, like you'd say, and what are you going to do about it? Well, um, you know, I had retired from the fire department, and which uh, it's sad to say, but when you are in a career like that and you are working overtime and you're driving an hour each way and you're trying to, you know, do something with the family, build a house, blah, 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 
that's like having your head in the sand. You never look up to see where things are going, what's happening. People complain about stuff, and you're like, man, I think everything's good with me. I don't know what you're complaining about, right? Then you retire, and now you have time to look around, right? And I felt like God was, because every, everywhere I looked, things were changing, right? And it was not for the better. And I never knew, you know, when, once he, I felt like he said, and that's really all that he said was sell your house, and possibly he said, and move, which, where am I going to move? Up the street? Am I going to move down the hill? Am I going to go to, you know, like, why would I sell our house and move that close, right? Um, or is he selling, saying sell your house because, you know, we live in California, fires are going all over, your, your house is going to burn up. So get out while the getting's good and go start somewhere before you get up, you know, with a pile of rubble. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Or is he saying, what, you pick it. There could have been a hundred things that he was saying to move for, but I felt like he was saying to move. So we start looking around. And and the reasons were a jillion. You know, as, as kids are growing up, I'm, I remember sharing, Grady wants to have a farm, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I heard in 2025, they're going to limit water to 50 gallons a day or something like that. I'm like, well, how can Grady grow a tree if he only get 50 gallons of water, you know? And, and then you look into water tables and they're all dropping, you know, and you're like, yeah, things are going on. And, um, just the demographics of the area, what's going on. Yeah, it's changing. It's not something that we're excited about. I don't know. Everywhere I looked was like, dang, things are changing and they're not in our favor. So here again, I don't know. Is that just me going, wow, I read the paper and this is what it says? Or is God trying to say, because it was blatantly in front of me every day, all the new things that were coming that were not good. And I thought, well, maybe God's telling Maybe that's him telling us to move. So could right? I interject? Yeah. So we, Abigail and I, and um, my other daughter Sarah, we help John and Ash, which is you met Ashley, with um, a business that they're affiliated with. So we were gone; could be like up to four months out of the year. So I had been traveling a lot, and I was over in Ventura at the time. Us girls were, and Dad and Jesse, my my other son, surprised us and came over. And so it's just going to be for the day. Uh, um, but then that's when Dad said, um, oh, by the way, I feel like God's telling us to sell the house and move. So and I, you're in between milkshakes and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. I had been over there, and I, I, remember, I remember saying to him, it's probably a movie line, like, have you fallen down? Have you bumped your head? Because I can tell you this one thing for certain. I'm not moving. I'm never moving. So... I, I'm going to be home in two weeks. Life will get back to normal till the next time. And um, so that's kind of how it started. And um, But that did not go away for Dad any more than when we lived in Bakersfield and Dad got the idea, we're moving back to the valley. You know, he just um, he is gracious. But over, over that period of time, some things happened. At that very same fair that we were at, uh, the day the fair closed, I got a call from my older sister who said to pray for her husband. He'd been at the chiropractor and um, and collapsed and was on his way to the hospital. He did not make it. And so I left that fair and went straight up to spend time with her. So watching your sister plan a service for her husband, um, you know, I look back now and see all those little things, like you said, son, that really played into my mental state. Um, 
and it, at one point during that time, she asked how Tag was, and I said, well, he's, he's lost his mind. He's, I don't know, I haven't been home in a couple of weeks, so I don't know what's wrong with him, but he thinks we're moving. And she looked at me like just dead on and said, sister, I can tell you this much. If your husband says you're moving and he heard from God, you're moving. She's like, I, I, and you know, again, perspective, you know, she, we were picking out coffins to bury her precious husband. So she said, if my husband was here and said, we're moving, I would move with him. Because there again, she didn't have that opportunity anymore. And she was trying to tell me, you have an opportunity to follow your husband and do what he says. And so I told her I wasn't listening to her (laughs) and came home, got the whole family, came back up for a service. But those things now looking back, they, they were something that I couldn't unhear. I couldn't undo that just sat in my heart and my mind. And then, um, so we took a trip. We took a trip up here. We stayed about 10 days. And literally, I was like, I, I describe my life in this moment, in this season, which has been two years now, as a ride on wipe off board. That's just the best way that I can describe every day. Um, the minute I wake up, it's like full. I can just see myself scribbling and I just think no. And then I just have to swipe it clean or one of those shaker boards. And then I'm just, I'm not going to put things on that. Like, I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm not, you know, all of that worry and fret, because that's what I have mastered in my life. Um, And I just really, we came that first trip and saying, what are you saying, God? What are you saying? Neil had taught us that. What are you saying? What am am I going to do about it? And so for that 10 days, we didn't have any resolve of anything, Mm -hmm. but we knew we were staying with some friends that were dear to us, but we knew that if we were going to do this, we needed to do it not with other people and outside influence. And so we went home, we got a little motor home, we came back up and we stayed two weeks and we literally just went to a little city. And let me say the little motor home is because I, I want the people to see that we're not grand people. We don't have stuff. This is a 1980. What's that thing called? I don't know. Tioga. And it Tioga. was given to us, but <laughs> moving past that. <laughs> So anyway, five miles again. And it, and and literally the story and I don't know that this is the best time to tell it, but you know, we we were here 2 weeks and we um went from community to community and it was li- literally I was I said all I was going to bring to this table was the fact that I was willing. And I I I wanted to be willing, but I mean, I kept saying what what's it going to look like to leave our home and our kids and what will that look like? But um, I tried to just be like, okay, Lord, is this, is and, this? And that was a horrid picture. Let me tell you, that yeah. thought of that is just horrible. So it wasn't even until at the end of two weeks, and we were leaving. There was this one little road that I kept saying, "What's over there?" And other people had said, "That's a treacherous road, and you don't want to be over there." And honestly, it's flat and it has guardrails. And <laughs> what we lived on, like Tag said, it was fourteen and a half percent grade and no guardrails and straight down. I see. <laughs> I see. We'd witnessed. That's where you live now. <laughs> We'd witnessed lots of accidents and. So anyway, we knew what treacherous was, and we laughed about that. But So I asked him, could we just go home that way? And so we did. I thought, it's going to pop us out somewhere in the general direction of California. So we went home that way, and I was looking on my little realtor.com app, and a little red, little red flash came up, and I told him, hey, there's something for sale up around the corner here. And there had been many times on that two weeks that that had happened. And he's like, I'm not driving up there. I'm not going back, whatever. But this time he's like, where is it? And I'm like, just turn up that road. And so we did. And there was a sign and we called on it. And 
I mean, clearly it was not on our radar because we had a specific well, any, money amount. Yeah, and any realtors that we talked for the the two weeks or longer that we would look around up here, she already knew all of what was on the MLS. So it was just like, yeah, okay. But this one never saw it. Yeah. So he allowed, he couldn't show it for the next week, whatever, but he allowed us to drive up and kind of just park and look. <clears throat> and I remember asking what that same question. Uh, he said he couldn't get out and they shoot you in Idaho if you get on their property. So we did not get out. We <laughs> stayed in, which is funny now because I can't believe you obeyed that. But because there was nobody <laughs> I didn't here. didn't get shot. <laughs> there was nobody here. So we could have got out. But we just sat out front there. Or out back. I really can't figure out the front or the back of my house I live in, I, honestly. But because um, you drive up to what you would think would be the front, but I think in theory it's the back. So we, we sat out there and asked that question, what would this look like? We didn't know how much land. We didn't know anything. But what would it look like if we lived here? And um, and then we started home, and we got a call from a dear friend that Will Tag had called and said the city of Paradise was on fire. And... Um, dear friends that we have. He's a pastor, and he asked if we would come and help. And so we just hightailed at home. That was around Thanksgiving, remember? Hightailed at home, didn't even unpack the motorhome, and we went. So so it went from my sister losing her husband to now assisting dear friends who had lost loved ones. Everything. And everything. everything. Church burned down. Literally and so, had kids driving their vehicles out through yes. flames. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 12-year-olds and things like that. <laughs> that was Paradise, California. So I feel like the Lord allowed... So I learned that life isn't forever. You get to keep your stuff that you, and and none of it matters. That's really what I learned. You know, make them, and so and I think I learn best when I'm working. I really feel like the Lord speaks to me when I'm not idle. I don't know. Maybe that's just a cop out to stay busy. But we were super busy. We were there for a couple of weeks, and um, so then it was like when we came home from that fire, like okay, what were we doing? You know, you literally picked up like, what, what were we doing? Oh, that's right. We're talking about moving. So we kind of reached back to this property and kind of started pursuing that. Um, it was entirely out of our price range. Never, but, I, oh, but um, in paradise, I felt like the Lord had dropped something because we, people were donating RVs and this and that and the other, and there was nowhere to put these people that had lost everything. And so Tag and my son, Jake found a, piece of property um, from that a doctor had out there in Chico, and he at, they asked him, could we just put people here for a time? And so during the course of that couple of weeks, they like really developed a RV park and was nothing short of miraculous, honestly. So, I mean, I would tell you that if you're willing to do the work, God will perform the miracles. Amen. He really will. Because we sat back and like, how did that ever happen? I mean, this, but it, it was amazing. In the mud and rain and... God. Yeah. Den of snakes. <laughs> What was yeah, that? Yeah, all those rattlesnakes oh, yeah, we right. found. Kids love to play with oh rattlesnakes. Oh, my gosh. But I felt like the Lord dropped something in my spirit there, and it, and it w- said something to the tune. Because I, I remember standing out there looking at this, you know, 30 motor, motor homes and people coming. You know, they've been living in their cars, and now they're going like to have a place to live. you build it, they will come. Kind of like that. And I remember being out there that rainy day and looking, going, this is amazing. It was just rolling hills, if you know the Chico area. But I remember thinking, man, I'd really like to have something like this um, for this reason. And I felt like at that time, like Tag says, whoever, don't judge me, but I felt like the Lord said, well, you're not even dreaming big enough. Hmm. Because I 
when we talked about moving up here, it was within our own perimeters. Oh, okay. All right, Lord, we'll obey you and we'll move and leave everything that we know and love and have built. Yeah, that's what kind of a God asks you to do that kind of thing. That's what I was struggling with. I can tell you a kind of God who has good in store and wants the best for you. But so when we found this place, it was like, this is not even attainable. But we. Let me just say, when we came around that corner, I was almost to the point of tears. Remember, we're heading back to California. We'd been up here twice now and staying with some friends and in the motorhome, looking around, trying to find a place that the whole family could enjoy, right? right. We could find a place in town that Rob right. and I could, you know, live our years out and walk to the coffee shop or whatever, but we wanted a place that kids could go to college. How about the hospital? Maybe we might want to be close to the hospital. The lake, we want to play in the lake, skiing, whatever, and... A lot of the places we found were cool up on top of a mountain, but it was an hour away from town. Well, what kid's going to have to drive down this icy mountain to get to college, right? So you start looking at what what does it take, and we actually wrote it on a paper, we the did. things that we were looking for. And it was a, it was a, a lot of things on there, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we're leaving going, wow, we didn't find it. We didn't even get close. And where are we going now? Florida, Texas? Tennessee, I don't know, Alabama, where it's going to be harder now because that's further away. And mm-hmm. and only person we knew up here was um, Josh. Uh, I mean, family-wise, right? That's who we called first. Hey, what's it like up there? Yeah, we'll just come up and look around. It wasn't, we didn't even know this area. We didn't know, we'd never, I probably never even heard of Coeur d'Alene before, yeah. right? I know I logged over in Montana, but never... It was Orfino, Idaho. Orfino, Idaho, right? I logged there as a kid, but never even knew anything about this incredible place, right? So we're coming out of there almost in tears. Mom says, stop here. We look at the place. We come down to the boat dock. It's got a boat dock on Coeur Lake. And she says, I feel like, did you say God's saying? No. We're not dreaming big enough. And I was like, holy mackerel. Well, this That's is my big. girl. <laughs> This but, is huge. Yeah. And then going to Chico and then having that. So mm-hmm. so then we thought, well, we can't decide. We can't make a decision to save ourselves without our kids. So we flew all the adult kids Well, up. pause that. But first you had a conversation about it. And that looked like, I don't know. I don't know what it looked like on your guys' side when you said you mm-hmm. think that you're supposed to move to Idaho. But we were like, what kind of sick joke is this? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. let me say that my folks, when I was younger in my early 30s i guess two babies right just got on the fire department my folks said hey we're thinking about moving to oregon and i was like i cried then what are you talking about i got two grandbabies here i've just got a job you're gonna leave that's rude (laughs) and they didn't leave and now i'm like I robbed them of some awesome years Mm. you know good golly anyway uh, the other point was, what were we talking about? Well, no, when oh, when you told us all that stuff, yeah, you Remember put together. Remember we put a, together, a, I don't know how many page booklet of the things that we felt like God was saying. It, there's a lot of stuff in there, right? And mm-hmm. good points. And well, You're missing the whole thing. Tag called a family meeting after we got home. Because I didn't want to go without sharing and hopefully getting buy-in from you guys that it was right. good. Because I didn't like that as a kid. When my folks did well, that to me. Did, ha, just tell everybody, the listeners, how it looked. Because I think we all tried to put on a happy face. 
And then we we called our own family meeting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were like, what in the double H E double hockey sticks is going on right now? And the only kid who was super stoked about it at the time was Jesse. Jesse. And we were like, that's because it's a drought and all he can think about is snow. <laughs> <laughs> He'd already got a job. <laughs> he reminds me, he had the idea first. Oh, he did? I'm pretty sure it was Jake and Ann. Well, Jake and Ann, that's true. And you shot them down just like you did their dad. I know. And you I came have... around to everybody and apologized. Remember? I don't think they remember. Because I did. I, it was always all for one, one for all. I want everybody to, their strength in numbers. We roll through everywhere we go. We come piling in with 20 people and people are like, oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. And we're tight. It's not like, oh, we're just kind of here. No, we come in as a mob. Right? And I had to go around to every family and go, I am so sorry you that I You need to have... make your rounds again with them because they would have moved, but you shamed them. I know. Didn't. And I said, I'm so sorry. I don't want, I in no way don't want to hold you to the Kern River Valley because now I feel like I have not done good by you by promoting the... the Shooting down your dream. Yeah. Sticking together. Which is a good point to bring out for our listeners on in a big family and even just in life... It doesn't have to be like blood family, but I mean, we've, we've always been raised and now we raise our kids like this, that sometimes even people who aren't blood related are more related Mm. to the value of their relation is higher than some that actually do have share the same blood right? uh, because of common interest and common goal and, and really like loyalty, you know, bottom line. But I think the listeners where was I going with that before that? Um, that we, dad shot down. Oh, Jake yeah. That dream. sometimes in a family, you actually do have to something that could have been like, this is my sacred cow. This mm. is the hill that I'm going to die mm-hmm. on. At some point, the Lord guides us and lifts that stake. And even though we're still holding the stake, it's like the stake's not in the ground anymore. And now you have to you kind of have to eat your own crow mm-hmm. sandwich or whatever. The, what's the saying? Yeah, eat crow. Eat crow. And then you have to go and apologize to those people for being so opinionated about something that you felt passionate about at the moment, but now you know you're, the filter in your eyes, the, the veil has been lifted. You see another side of uh, something that you didn't see before. Mm-hmm. And some people just harden their hearts when those things happen because it's like, how dare you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're now you're a hypocrite because you have imposed this on me, but now... but. I think for our listeners to, when we talk about building a, a house that lasts, and yes, we're using um, the stories of an actual building of a house because it's common kind of, uh, it's a good way to describe it. I think that something that people in families don't really value or, or put enough thought into is all the little correcting ways that we have to in our nature. Um, It's not like it doesn't feel good for our pride to go say, Hey, sorry about that. I shouldn't have treated you like that. I I shot down your dreams. I robbed you of your whatever. I'm just using those as examples because when you look around at families and how there's so many families are divided right now and they're not fighting for each other, they're like pulling away from each other. I feel like that, that humility is what binds us together as a family. Yeah. The humility that mm-hmm. we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We you're willing to admit it. We're willing to admit it. We're willing to say what we're sorry for, not just we're sorry. Um, 
those are not that that takes a lot of humility and you have to like die to yourself and let your pride go or your ego go in order to even accomplish that. And I think that people don't realize the value of that. And so it's almost like that's the threat. You have a needle, you have thread and you have fabric. And it's like, if you're, if you're quilting something and you're like that, that um, posture of like sewing with a needle and a thread and going in and out, when you look back over, Hmm. I'm 38 and you guys were married two years before I was born. So 40 years. Mm-hmm. 40 last May. So it, from a kid's perspective, looking up, I can see all, there's had to have been a lot of humility in order to keep everything mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And humility doesn't happen by accident. It happens by choice. Because who wants to look like the... the some people would say it looks like coward-like to... Um, admit their fault, you know, admit mm-hmm. their failure in a specific area of their life, whether it's a, a broken relationship or um, a life experience that went awry that you're just like, shoot, now what do we got to do? We got to pick up these broken pieces or, you know, whatever it is. And I don't want to look at that cabin. I'm going <laughs> to, I want to knock that cabin down. Um, and then looking on the other side of it, it's like, oh, why would we want to do that? Like, that's part of our story. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we want to hide that now? Oh, right. Why do we want to... I don't know. I just look at other people, my friends' families and stuff, and it's like, everything's good when you can keep everything superficial and on the surface. Nobody wants to talk about their shortcomings. Nobody wants to admit that they maybe didn't spend enough time together or maybe that they were too hard on their kid or they were da-da-da-da-da. And... And when I look at some of my friends, they long for that um, that connection or that binding together. That realness. That realness. And I hope that um, I'm able to continue that on with my kids. I might go a little bit overboard on the realness and the explanations sometimes. But <laughs> I don't think you can. Yes, she can. Trust me. We, she does. And she can. Like when we reenacted the climbing picture and... Back at Nanny's house. Yeah. <laughs> Remember my climbing? Tr- I like no. to climb Papa Street. Why is, why is a dog, dog in the, in the house? house? And why is he on me? Go get Mongo my out. Mongo, you're not on the show. I don't know why dogs like me hey, when I don't like dogs. It's so weird. And that was another odd out. thing for me, too, because, you know, when someone comes up to you, you may not even know him very well, and he tells you, God, I feel like God told me to move. And they look at you like, Mm, Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. you know, but I wanted you guys to hear me say it, and I wanted other people to hear it because I don't know was I right or wrong. I I hope I'm that we were right, but how do you ever know till it's all said and done, right? But I wanted you to see me stand on that. I think God said for us to do this, right? Just like my Trump flag hanging on my gate still. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, okay, that's me. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not ripping it down. Oh, you know, he didn't get elected. This, you know, I'm gonna take that down before everybody thinks I'm a nutcase. No, that was me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go there. Well, but anyway, it's not the Trump the flag. It's the one with the machine gun. <laughs> that's the one that I struggle with. And when we go through the gate, I'm like, that's a little aggressive. But just like. Re- Apologizing, hey, I'm, I, 
I'm just wanting you to hear me say I'm sorry cause in case I kept you from going to Texas or somewhere. I'm sorry because that could have been good. Just like my folks. I wish I could have told them, yeah, go to Oregon because I'm sure they would have had a great time there, right? Yeah, I think God's telling us this. I want you guys to hear those things mm-hmm. so that when it comes around, you can make up your own decision. Wow, did he really say or not? Or mm-hmm. And maybe I'll eat crow. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I think it's interesting Neil and I were talking about this the other day. Um, I'm sure the Lord obviously works different in different people's lives to get them where they need to go. But in your experience, do you feel like anytime you actually are on the tra- on the right track, that feeling of like, okay, I, I'm, I'm listening, I'm hearing, and I'm taking the next step. You know, like the story of Peter getting out of the boat. He had to put his feet on water and... Who, Walking on water is not a thing, so obviously that was huge. How much resistance on a scale of zero to ten usually comes when you feel like you're being called to wherever it is that your creator's like calling you towards? Is it is it like walking up a river the wrong way? Or like you know what I mean? Like are you walking up the flow of the water is hitting you like you're getting resistance or it's just like smooth sailing and just like unicorns and pina coladas. Well, I think that, and I'll share something that a guy told me one time, but I think when you think you're doing the right thing, right. And let's just say you pin, I think God's saying to do this, right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's at, well, I mean, in that time, you remember the sermons that came out of your mouth. Go north, go around the mountain. Um, I can think if I if you gave me a minute, I could think of a bunch of them that were like, "Man, he's talking right to me," and it all makes sense and whatever. But other than that, it's like you put on some noise canceling headphones and you don't hear nothing, right? Because you're out there doing what you stood on, mm-hmm. and you're looking for direction. You're looking for like that that scripture. Um, God told him to to leave Egypt and go to the promised land, right? Well, that's just in my reading, that's as far as I got, right? And it was a year later when I came back around in my Bible reading and it said, and I'll take you to the land I promised you. Mm-hmm. Well, had I read that a year ago, that would have been legit because then we would have gone, man, this is the land, right? He led us here and whatever, but I didn't have that. There was no input. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I talked to said, hey, when uh, when you're in college and it's time for the proctor to give you a test, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. That proctor sits behind that desk and you don't get to ask any question. Mm-hmm. You got, you're got you on your own until you get past that whole testing process and then you see where you land. Yeah. So that's kind of how I can relate to it. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's not hard. It's not swimming up river. It's like the same thing just with earplugs in your ears and you're not getting any input and you're doing what you've trained for mm-hmm. for however many years mm-hmm. to get you there but dad he masters that do you remember how i used to tell you guys in school you were notorious for it you're like i can't do my schoolwork. all the kids are loud <laughs> that baby's crying i remember what i would say think about your dad he shows up on scenes with blood and guts and sirens and Mother screaming, and he's got to listen for heartbeats or po- I don't know what he has to listen mm-hmm. for. But I would tell you that zone it out in your mind, mm-hmm. just close off everything else and just concentrate on what you're doing. I would tell you that, mm-hmm. but 
on that scale of one to 10, you just said, yeah. it's a total 10 for me. Total 10, yeah. Because <clears throat> I listen to the chatter and I take the chatter in my mind and everybody else's opinion over. I mean, I work myself through it. I'm getting mm-hmm. better. But I, where dad's like, don't listen to what they're saying. Well, you're, yeah. I don't, the way that I would interpret it, watching you, you're not listening to what they're saying as if they're offering some like, it's not their opinions that you, that are valuable to you. You're wondering if they're being used as a tool to shape the outcome. So you're tr- you're taking on as much information as you can because the information that you receive may help you in decision making yeah. for the future. And I think that that's where a lot of people get distracted because you're wanting to be a good listener and you're like, oh, okay, I want to be a good listener. Well. Billy Bob over here told me this and I should take that into consideration. And, and if I, I, I know I'm supposed to move out of California, but I'm hearing that I might get taxed for 10 years now if I move <laughs> out of California. So I don't know if that's the right, you know, oh, and, and if, and everyone's going North now. So the property tax, I mean, the property is going to be so expensive and how am I ever going to afford the property tax on a retirement on, you know what I mean? It's like, there's so much knowledge and information out there and it's at your fingertips with your phone that it's almost like it's robbing everyone of the peace that they could be given if they... Right. So I just want to affirm you. I, d- I don't think that you're just like not focused. I think you're trying to use all of that stuff as tools. Yeah. When we when we came down, I think it's been a year ago, we came down to help out with Whiskey Flat Days before the stupid COVID broke out. And remember, I um, I had... Someone came in to eat dinner that I hadn't seen in a while, and I actually had seated him and given him some water or whatever, and there was a simple conversation was, hey, how's it going? I heard you guys moved, and like, yep, we got a place in Idaho, and I don't know what the heck we're doing, but, you know, we're back home now with the kids for a while, and then later one of the grandbabies came in the kitchen and said, hey, that lady at that table six wants to talk to you, and, you know, we were swamped, and so I just went back out there like, hi, what can I do? The same lady, and she... She said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you something, which I totally struggle with when the Lord tells somebody else to tell me something, because I always feel like, why don't you just tell me, you know? Mm-hmm. But but I'm like, great, what's he, you know? And she said, well, two things came to me, and I, I should have told you earlier, but one of them was um, that just continue to pray for a buyer for your home. He already knows who's going to buy it. They're just not ready. That was the one word. And then, the, and I'm like, oh, okay, because that's kind of generalization. And she said, and the second thing is, and she gave the scripture, the Lord wants you to know you're in the land you need to be, and he's going to use you to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And at that point, I just lost it there at the table with everybody. And I just, because I felt like I was captive mm-hmm. and I am the brokenhearted, you know, but I just tried to smile and say, thank you. And then I did say, could you write that down? Because I'm thinking I might forget it. So mm-hmm. I have it in my Bible and it's, it talks about, that new land that the Lord's leading you into. So I think um, for me too, that's been helpful because it wasn't my plan. So where I could really isolate myself now and feel like, you know, I don't want any friends and I don't want to, I don't want to, there's just so much chatter in my mind, but I have to remember, this isn't my plan. I didn't choose it. So if it's God's plan, I know it's a good plan. And so I kind of try to be purposeful every day just to say, what it, what are you doing, Lord? Who, I mean, whether I run into somebody at, wherever, super one, or I just, I'm looking, I'm Mm -hmm. looking and I'm trying to be expectant about what are you wanting to do? And I'm honored that you would even use me in some small way or, and, and I'm, 
I say that very humbly because I don't know that he uses me, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to believe he does, but, um, people pour into me, you know, I, I can have a pity party here and think, I hate everybody. I hate life. I hate dad for sure because he <laughs> moved me away from my kids that I dearly love. And I love the kids that are here with me. I struggle with that. You know, I have some kids bought into the dream right away and moved with us. But he talked about that. And But I long for the—I'm happiest when everybody's together. And so my heart is torn. But And then my neighbor will knock on my door. I baked you this cake. So uh, the Lord doesn't allow me to have a pity party very long. He reminds me, knock it off. I've placed you where you need to be. And, um, so what about, um, so that person said the people who are going to buy the house aren't ready. Yeah. And then you had a conversation with Meemaw yeah. later and she said something similar. Yeah. I was telling her, um, just kind of where I was and all that. And she said something about the keys. Meemaw was the one that really taught us about the keys to the kingdom. And Abby was talking about that yesterday. You know, the, the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will bind in heaven, whatever you loose on earth. And that the Lord has given, that Jesus, Neil can tell you, he's the pastor in the family, pastor. that he gave us the keys to the kingdom. And um, and so Mima was likening this. She's not ever been here, you know. And so I was just sharing with her, and she said something about the keys. And I said, um, what keys? And she's like, the keys to your new house. And I'm like, they never even gave us keys. Nobody even locks their doors here. We don't, we don't have keys to this house, you know. And she said, you need to get some keys because that signifies authority when you have a key to something. And she said, and then are you talking about when she said, um, I had been praying for the buyer for the house. Lord, you know who it is. And um, and so she asked if I'd release that house. And I said, like, to the best of my ability I have. And she said, no, 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 no. Anyway, she, she plays hardball with me. And she's like, if you don't let it go, then someone else can't have it. You have to let it go. You've got to realize I now have keys to this other place. You know, there again, it's physical, but a spiritual implication. And so that, man, it wasn't just a couple of weeks after that. Then we were out on the lake, got a call from a lady who loved the house, wanted to buy it, sent the kids up to the house. And, you know, an hour later, I get a call and everybody's crying. I thought somebody fell out of the lookout or the climbing (laughs) wall or something. And I'm like, what's going on? And Neil's like, you, I got good news and bad news. The good news is you got a buyer for your house. And literally when he was saying that, I got a text on my phone. I had him on speakerphone. And the lady's like, I want it. And so I'm like, what's the bad news? I mean, this is really, you know. And it's like, well, we don't want you to sell it. We feel like as of today, this moment, which the Lord hadn't placed it in their heart before. Correct me if I'm wrong. The house is ours, Mom. You know, which wasn't a hard decision for us. because, But I did I feel like I was in dirty trick because <laughs> I had to prepare my heart to get rid of it, had to release it, it on to open. someone I didn't know. And it was like when I was willing to just give it up, you know, it's when the Lord came in and rescued it really and said, so you don't really have to give it up there again. Don't judge me. This is just my walk. And so that was super easy because it's not like, um, I don't feel like I gave it up when Amy had her emergency surgery. I was able to hop on a plane and go down there, and I just felt like I was at home. I'm all, mm-hmm. Well, number one, I don't care where we are. If we're all together, I'm at home. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm in heaven this week with everyone that's up here, so that's pretty cool. I try to—one little side note. Don't ruin your life and your days thinking about 
Like already I'm counting down the days when they leave, which is tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll miss the moment today if I just dread what tomorrow's going to hold. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning that. Not perfectly, but yeah. It's good. We could keep the conversation happening for a lot longer, but, and I'm sure we're going to have many more now that you're getting accustomed to these <laughs> mom and this microphone in front of oh, her yeah. face. So faith, I know this is so simple. It's just, it's overly simple for, for most, but you, you really have like exemplified faith, family, and then I think that what I I am most um, proud of and exhilarated by personally is your pursuit of finding the land that God's leading to. Like that is that to me just is the most important aspect. You know, what is faith for if you don't have to leave something and enter something else? What it, it, you know? What is faith for if you don't have to believe for something in the middle of opposition and hardship? You know, you don't even have to have it if you don't have something to to stand in faith with. And you guys have shown that. And I th- I think that I've told you this multiple times, but I feel like it's important to say absolutely for everyone to hear beyond even the slightest amount of doubt. Like I have zero doubt personally, that God didn't situate this, you know, years and years ago, it's always been a part of the path and the destiny to be right where you are right now. And, you know, it's everybody's not called at the exact moment to, you know, to join you where you are on your journey. Um, But in many ways, we're tied and we're connected and God had situated and he called you to leave a house. So, your kids could be ready to enter that same house and inhabit that house. And he called you to go to a new spot that honestly, seven to 10 years ago, Amy and I fell in love with just right around the corner from here. And you had no idea. I could probably shoot a potato gun off the top of our property and hit where you guys were at. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, I don't know that we've even shared that part of the story, but, um, and maybe we'll touch on it in some form of a wrap up or something like that. But we, know that we know that you're making the right moves and doing the right things. And it just is so, yeah, it doesn't always feel like it Mm -hmm. doesn't always necessarily look like it and it doesn't always feel good, but with certainty, at least here, it's, it's incredible to watch you do it over and over and over again. And, you know, falling forward is kind of like a thing that we all just do, but, but you guys have paved the way you've built something that, um, We've been using that house in California as as a metaphor this entire time, but you truly have with that property and with that place and with your life and what you've sown into your family, you've built something wonderful. So Thank you, son. Wonderfully happy to be a part of it. And I know that this is going to help lots of people as they're listening to it, even in years to come, just to play back and go, man, that, that was really hard. And, and they made it through and... and there, there will be a lot of good that comes from, from I think, this series of episodes. So we love you. Thank you for giving us something to talk so much about, too, because we you. barely even scratched the surface, I honestly think. But How Amy? come nobody's applauding? 
Don't you have we, a button for that? We do, but we don't know which one it is. Oh. And if we hit any of these, it's going to cycle through for 30 <laughs> seconds and it's going to be a surprise and probably not appropriate. We'll skip that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, to our listeners, if you like this, please like, share, and subscribe. That's how it gets out quicker to other people. If you have that, what is it called? Uh, the rating? getting it out there so please do that thank you so much and the way we sign off is how nanny signed off mm-hmm. bye bye, 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 bye now. Now.